0: Good evening. This is Dr. Gwen. Today is Friday, June 27, 2008. The first study I'm going to report on is called Symptom Screening plus a Simple Blood Test Improves Early Detection of Ovarian Cancer. Women's reports of persistent, recent onset, onset symptoms linked to ovarian cancer, abdominal or pelvic pain Difficulty eating, or feeling full quickly, and abdominal blo- get it out—and abdominal bloating, when combined with the CA-125 blood test, may improve early detection of ovarian cancer by 20%, which is pretty significant, according to new findings by researchers at Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center, and this this is published in uh, Cancer, the Journal Cancer. Research has found that when used alone, a simple four-question symptom screening questionnaire and the CA-125 ovarian cancer blood test each detect about 60% of women with early-stage ovarian cancer and 80% of those with late-stage disease. This study found that when used together, the questionnaire of the blood test, may boost early detection rates to more than 80% and late-stage detection rates to more than 95%. The PI said, the principal investigator said that, of course, it's the increase in the detection of early stage disease that is the most exciting. Um, Cure rates for those diagnosed when the disease is confined to the ovary are approximately 70% to 90%. However, more than 70% of women with ovarian cancer are diagnosed with advanced stage disease when the survival rate is only 20 to 30%. This research, according to the investigators, suggests that if if a woman has one or more symptoms that are new for her, having begun within the past year, and if the symptoms happen nearly daily or at least 12 times a month, that may well be a signal to go in and discuss the symptoms with her doctor. It probably won't be ovarian cancer, just as most breast lumps are not breast cancer but it's still a sign that it might be worth checking with their doctor to see if a CA125 blood test and transvaginal ultrasound is appropriate. Assessing the symptoms included in the symptom screening index may already be done by some doctors based on a consensus statement issued last year by the NIH, which is the National Institutes of Health. The researchers hope their symptom index will help doctors know which among their patients who complain of symptoms such as abdominal swelling and pelvic pain might have cancer. The symptom screening index developed in 2006, developed by um, Dr. Barbara Goff, who is the professor and director of gynecologic oncology at the University of Washington School of Medicine, is not used proactively in clinical general practice. But Anderson and her colleagues are conducting a pilot study to assess the value of using it as a screening tool among normal risk women as part of their routine medical history assessment. So I think what comes out of here is that um, if you have these symptoms, abdominal bloating, pelvic pain, and the other ones that I mentioned, is that you really want to get into your, uh, I, I would recommend that you go to your OBGYN, or at least with your yearly pap test, and to make sure you discuss these. If it isn't, if your practitioner does not recommend this questionnaire as well as this blood test, the CA-125 you need to be proactive unfortunately that's the world we live in now and you need to recommend that this be done even if they just do the ca125 and then maybe do the ultrasound the thing is is that we really need to work on early detection Um, and you know you need to again bring this to your practitioner's um, focus the next one um, is called personal benefit helping others motivate clinical trial participants Most HIV-infected individuals participating in a clinical trial hope to benefit personally from the research, but also understand they are contributing to society, and this is in a report in the June 23rd issue of Archives of Internal Medicine. Although there is a growing body of data explaining why individuals enroll in clinical trials, little research has been conducted regarding their motivation for ongoing participation, according to the, um, the article. Why do patients participate, especially those randomized to a control group, continue to accept the added risks and burdens, such as additional clinic visits, extra research procedures, that clinical researchers places on them? Answering those questions is what the researchers were looking at, and they felt it was important given the view that clinical research inappropriately exploits patient participants by exposing them to added risks and burdens for the benefit of others. David Wender, who and his colleagues at the Department of Bioethics National Institutes Health Clinical Center, reported group results of a survey of participants in the evaluation of subcutaneous ProLeukin, which is an interleukin 2, in a randomized international trial called ESPRI. ESPRI is a phase three trial comparing antiretroviral medications alone to antiretroviral medications plus interleukin-2, a protein which is associated with the immune system. HIV-infected patients from Argentina, Brazil, and Thailand who had been enrolled in the study for at least six months responded to questions regarding their motivations and experiences. And here's what they found. Of the 582 participants who responded to the follow-up study, 292 were in the treatment group receiving Interliquant 2, and 290 were in the group receiving antiretroviral medication alone, which is a balanced study. Participants were asked to choose from a list of 12 reasons why they continued to participate. More than 80% indicated that the opportunity to obtain medical or personal benefit and the opportunity to help others were very important reasons for continuing to participate. Also, 90% believed they were making up important contributions to society, and 84% expressed pride in helping to advance scientific knowledge. The findings suggest that patients can have multiple reasons for continuing to participate in clinical research. Most importantly, the fact that respondents were motivated to obtain, to obtain treatment for a life-threatening illness did not preclude them from being motivated to help others through their participation. Um, And these findings reveal that it is possible to conduct clinical research in developing countries without this sense of exploiting patient participants. Um, Anyway, I I wanted to share that, and I wanted to just tell you an experience I had. Several years ago, I did a research study where I recruited people from around the world, um, and they, they would send me information via the Internet. And at the time, it was very novel to conduct research that way. It was just a small study looking at the effect of the menstrual cycle in, in, um, on Meniere's disease. Men were a control group and women were the, the subjects. Anyway, make a long story short, the women had to do daily um, diaries. They also, we also had to confirm that they were ovulating, so they had to test their urine for ovulation. And the men did the daily diaries. This, uh, this in itself, and it went over four months, was very time-consuming, um, and I offered in the beginning of the, st- of the study to give $25 to the men for completing study protocols and $50 to the women. I would say, if I can recall correctly, as my as, much as 80% refused the honorariums when I offered it to them at the, at the end of the study. And they asked instead that the money be put back into the pot for future research. So this this study that I reported, you know, really um, agrees with what I personally experienced. That a lot of people go into research because they have the phenomena, um, and they want to obviously find something for themselves. But more importantly, there's this there's this um, need and this belief that they might be able to help others. So it's very reassuring to know that. Anyway, that's all I wanted to do tonight. Um, I hope you're enjoying your summer. I can't believe next week is July 4th here in the United States. And I uh, wish everyone well. I wish everyone joy, health, happiness, and most importantly, take good care of yourself. This is Dr. Gwen.